You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Monster House presents. At Monster Talk, we're always looking into mysteries, but there's one mystery which only you can provide the answer for. Who are you? Airwave Media is doing a network-wide audience survey, and we would love to learn more about you, our listeners, the people who make this show possible with your support and attention. Just go to surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airwave, all one word. So that's surveymonkey.com forward slash r, like the letter r, forward slash airwave. But don't worry, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Select Monster Talk from the drop-down list of shows and then fill out the simple questions to tell us more about who you are. We hope to hear from you. That's surveymonkey.com forward slash r forward slash airway. Thanks. Monster Talk's a proud member of the Airwave Media Podcast Network, home of such shows as Kick-Ass News, Movie Therapy, and Therapist Uncensored. If you'd like to advertise on this show, contact sales at advertisecast.com. Content warning. This episode contains discussion of murder, death, slavery, and sex crimes. Listener discretion is advised. This is our evidence. Our ghost adventures. The Myrtle's Plantation in St. Francisville, Louisiana, makes everyone's top 10 list for renowned haunted places. We constantly hear from fans that they want us to check out this 215-year-old home. One of the challenges of investigating such a famous haunt is that the stories have been told and retold so many times that we really don't know what's real and what isn't. It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. In Loch Ness, a 24-mile-long bottomless lake in the highlands of Scotland, it's a creature known as the Loch Ness Monster. Monster Dog. 
Welcome to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. Welcome to part one of our two-part coverage of the Myrtles. As you heard in that little clip up front from the TV show Ghost Adventures, this plantation turned bed and breakfast has a huge reputation in the paranormal world as being a hotbed of ghostly activity. We'll start to unpack the legends around the site in part one. Famous ghosts almost always manifest most reliably, not in the form of an apparition, but in the form of a ghost story. Let's dive right in as my co-host Karen and her husband Matt take us down south to the Spanish moss-laden live oaks of Louisiana, not too far from Baton Rouge, where you can find a plantation called the Myrtles. It used to be a plantation, but now it's an allegedly haunted bed and breakfast. Or should we say, dread and breakfast? Monster Talk. Hey! Welcome back to another Monster Talk. I'm excited because I'm finally going to get to listen with you, the listeners, for the first time to hear some of Karen's new investigation findings into a place that she's been several times and written about, uh, and it's called the Myrtles Plantation. And tonight we have a special guest, Matt Baxter, who's joining us once again. So welcome back, Matt and Karen. Myrtle me up. Thank you. (laughs) Hit me with your bad Myrtles. Thank you. Thank you. So Matt is joining us because he has investigated this place with me uh, about 10 years ago. And I think there's a really important lesson with this story. I've talked about the Myrtles Plantation. I've written about it. And a couple of weeks ago, I was contacted by a television producer who said, we would like you to come on the show and be a skeptic. Do you believe it? Be the skeptic on the show and talk about the Myrtles Plantation. We read your book, Haunting America, and we'd like you to share your investigation and research and your opinions. So I that's Haunting back- America, H A U N T E A M E R I C A, Haunting America by Dr. Karen Stolzno. And it is Thank a you. very good read. So I, I that's not I'm not just saying that because she's my co-host and I'm not married to her, uh-huh. so I have no obligations. Uh- <laughs> that's so true. No no obligation. But I think that the important lesson here is that. You can come back to a story and there's always more to discover. There's always more to find out, more pieces to the puzzle, and that we just can't accept these stories. Uh, I mean, it's folklore, but as ghost stories, we can't accept them until we have really researched the history and there's always more to find out. And that's been the case with this particular story. So I'm really excited to talk about it today. So Myrtle's Plantation and this, I'm sure... Most of our listeners will have heard of the place. It's very well known. And, of course, it's said to be America's most haunted house, most haunted house in America, uh, like like all of the rest of them. But I think that this place truly does lay claim to uh, this in terms of folklore anyway. Certainly it was one of the first places to to claim that this was the case. Is it named the Myrtles because the flower or yes, something else? the crepe myrtle. Oh, it's the crepe myrtle. Okay, so it's named the crepe. grow there. Okay. But it was originally had a, a different name. So we'll get into a little bit of the history. And the, the Myrtle's Plantation originally started with General David Bradford. So he's better known as Whiskey Dave and famous for his association with the Whiskey Rebellion. Ah. So he, yeah, him. And so he had a bounty, a bounty rather, of $500 on his head for participating in that rebellion. So he escaped Pennsylvania and he went to Bayou Sarah, 
as it was known then in Louisiana, where he built Laurel Grove. So this was in 1796. It wasn't known as Louisiana then, as a lot of our listeners will know as well. This was uh, Spanish-owned, a Spanish-owned colony, and it was called the Republic of West Florida at the time. And so he traveled out there and built this. It was a comparatively small compared to the, the building as it exists today. So he received a pardon from then President Jordan Adams for his role in the rebellion. So Whiskey Dave moved his family to the plantation now that he was a uh, he'd been pardoned, and so it, so many stories and so much folklore and urban legends legends connected to this place. And so today people believe that there are you'll hear usually that there are ten ghosts or. 11, 12, 13, 14, even more than that. So, so much has happened there. But one of the main claims that you'll hear is that the plantation is built on Tunica burial ground. So, therefore, this is the supposed cause of all of the, the hauntings. And uh, I wanted Matt to kind of comment on that a bit because I think he's come across that kind of claim a lot over the, the years. Well, that is the go-to claim. Uh, anytime it's like, well, why is this place haunted? And they might look at you puzzled. Now, I'm talking about any place, not just the Myrtles. They might look at you puzzled and go, um, it's uh, built on a Native American burial ground. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why it's haunted. Uh, well, mm-hmm. you know, America is a Native American burial ground. It sure um, is. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I don't know how far that claim goes. But, uh, yeah, that is such a popular excuse for why something mm-hmm. might be haunted. Agreed. I think we talked with uh, Colin Dickey about that in one, when, he, when we had him on one, one of the first time, I guess. Uh, that yes. idea that the way that these ghost stories often get tied to indigenous people or people who are oppressed or people who are, you know, mm-hmm. low economic standing or low social standing. Or, or in this case, just simply mystical. To, instead of treating people like real people, you treat them like magical creatures or something. It's just not, yeah. it, it, yep. it, it's a bad look. Well, yeah, yeah. it comes, it is indeed, and it comes into play heavily in this particular story. But as for the Tunica people, they did reside in that area, but it was about 30 miles north of the Myrtles plantation. So that's impossible that that was a, a burial ground of theirs anyway. So lots of, lots of busting the, the claims with this story here. And, and boom, uh, boom, first claim busted. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so most people will have heard about the next resident of the household and his name was Judge Clark Woodruff. And he moved into the plantation originally as a law student. So there were a series of families of uh, people who practiced law who lived in the house. And so he actually married Whiskey Dave's daughter, Sarah. Karen, I'm sorry to interrupt, but was he Whiskey Dave's law student? I'm not entirely sure, but possibly, probably for him to Hmm. marry his daughter. I think that that's the case. Yeah, uh, I had heard difficult. that as part of the legend, so I wasn't sure. Well, it is very difficult to to research this topic. And again, for everything that we'll be discussing tonight, there's so much more to find out. But I believe that that is the case. So they, they married and they had three children, James, Cordelia, and Mary. And this family, they're the key players in the main ghost story that's associated with the Myrtles. So Blake, 
you haven't been there before, I'm sure you will. It's on your bucket list. You'll get there one day. But have you heard the story of Chloe? Yes. Very famous story. And uh, sometimes she's known as Cleo as well, but usually she's known as Chloe. And so the narrative basically goes that she was an enslaved woman. She was a house slave and she was having an affair with Judge Woodruff. And the first thing that kind of struck me is that during those times, people didn't have affairs within that kind of context. It's going to be a, a case and we will have to insert a content. There will be here. the big question of agency. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So this was uh, uh, you know, not uh, something that she would have agreed to, but uh, that that's the claim. And some say that the relationship ended badly. Uh, he took another woman, and therefore she was concerned about the safety and security of her position in the household. She did not want to go and work the farm. Instead, she wanted to stay in the household, uh, taking care of the children and cooking and cleaning. So she started eavesdropping on Judge Woodruff's personal business. And they say that she was caught snooping a number of times. And after about the third time, the judge was fed up and as punishment, he sliced off her ear, her left ear. So terrible story. And it, it gets it gets worse. So either as revenge for him doing that or to get back into his good books. Chloe bakes a cake for the family and it's filled with the juice or the leaves, depending on the story, from the poisonous oleander plant. We used to have them growing uh, around our house in Sydney. They were everywhere. As the story goes, the, the family ate the cake, but perhaps not the judge. Some say that he was on business. He wasn't there at the time. And very sadly, the, the cake killed Sarah and two of the children. Usually they say, the two girls both perished from eating the cake. So uh, Chloe was, as they say, she was lynched by a mob as punishment and her body was thrown to the alligators in the Mississippi. So this is what they'll tell you when you go to the Myrtles and do their ghost tours, which come free with a stay at the, the bed and breakfast. Oh, do they, so. how's the food? Southern. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they've got a, they've got oh, a I, restaurant there. Yeah, you know, so I just yeah, remember you're a vegetarian. I don't imagine that anything well, from Louisiana Southern style cooking is going to really. Well, you. no, <laughs> I love I love uh, you know red beans and rice and jambalaya. I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the the few nights that Matt and I went there, we had a fantastic trip, and uh, we went to Baton Rouge. We didn't stay in St. Francisville. Uh, Matt, perhaps you'd like to. Give a quick anecdote about the local supermarket there. <laughs> wow, yeah. Since Blake has asked. Um, yeah, it's 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 funny. And, and I, I can't remember. Was this supermarket? I thought this supermarket was in St. Francisville, but I, I could be wrong. It was. It was. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm trying so we're to, to illustrate to Blake that the food there wasn't very good for me. <laughs> right, right. But one of the great things about the grocery store is they do cater very much to uh, mothers with, uh, you know, newborn babies. So you've got the baby aisle and uh, I'll have to send you a photo because the baby aisle is 90 percent wine <laughs> and 10 percent diapers. And like diapers and anybody who's pacifiers. not a parent would be like, oh, I don't know, that's a parent's but yep, that makes sense. <laughs> Mama's little helper. So, yeah, I'll send that Same to you. Great. 
mommy juice, <laughs> as I've heard it called. But yes. <laughs> so that's the story. And, uh, you know, when I first wrote about this, I uncovered a fact, uh, the, well, the, the truth behind that particular story, or part of it anyway. And so since then, I have heard this repeated a lot, which is great because I think it means that people are listening to what I've said. So there's no solid evidence that Sarah and her children died uh, of oleander poisoning. So they did die, but they died of yellow fever because there was an outbreak of the disease at the time in the parish, West Feliciana Parish. Yeah. So uh, it seems like it wasn't the two little girls who died. It was the son, James, and Cornelia. Uh, however, Sarah died in 1823, while the two little ones didn't die until the following year in 1824. So it, it's the, there are records to attest to this. So it's very clear that they didn't die of poisoning. They died of yellow fever. And uh, Mary went on to live a very long life until 1889. And the judge, he died in 1851. So that's the, the kind of truth behind that story. And moreover... When it comes to Chloe, there are lots of different Chloes. So there are different versions of the story, different names, Chloe or Cleo, different claims about the woman as well. So as we know, these are the hallmarks of an urban legend. Yeah. So when you've got these lots of different variations, then you can be pretty sure that it's an urban legend. So uh, going back to sources that I've uncovered in the 1940s, she actually started out not as an enslaved woman, but as a, a little old French woman. Then she became a housemaid. Then she became a French-Canadian nanny, an au pair girl. And later on, a voodoo priestess. So nowadays, she's an enslaved African-American woman. And I think that that's because that sounds the worst to, to modern ears, that that was the kind of situation that had taken place you know, like there. The, the most victimized, the most oppressed. And it fits into that, yes. that narrative of like trying to fight back against power mm -hmm. but also doesn't yes. isn't true our bodies come in different shapes and sizes so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too that's the beauty of noom they build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions medical issues and other personal needs so your plan works for you Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hello, I'm Paul Giamatti. And I'm Stephen Asma. Each week on Chinwag, we dig into the weird topics you wonder about, that you care about. The stuff none of us are totally sure of, like the Bermuda Triangle, Mothman, consciousness, philosophy, UFOs, ghosts, or say Bigfoot. 
So who's to say that there's not alien species that are Sasquatch? Like I've seen a ghost and I would hear something walking and breathing. Maybe every path is right. I will accept as a premise that every path is right. That is a face on Mars. Eyes, nose. It kind of looked like Wilson the volleyball. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever uh, crashing. And I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand and probably won't understand. That's our whole show. (laughs) So join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. She has been described as uh, a young woman and also an old woman. She's been described as a beautiful, slim woman, and she's been described as a, a large, heavy set woman. So there are lots of different descriptions of her clothing as well. It, going back decades ago, it was said that she used to wear a green dress, and that has now morphed into her, well, then later on, it morphed into her wearing a green bonnet and then a green beret. And nowadays it's evolved into a green turban or a green scarf because that would fit in with that particular narrative to cover her missing ear. And also in line with, I guess, what people think that uh, enslaved people would have worn in those days. I can almost hear air supply in the background. Can you hear that? Because it's like she's every woman in the world to me. It seems like... (laughs) (laughs) She she is. and, And there's more. In all the versions of the tale, she's not missing an ear but nowadays she is missing an ear and then there's one story too that says she did lose an ear but it was before she'd moved to the myrtles it was due to frostbite in canada wow anyway this is the clincher this is the clincher here the name didn't emerge until a psychic visited the myrtles in the 1980s the 80s in the 80s and claimed that she sensed a ghost named Chloe. So Chloe only goes back to the 1980s in that particular form. Wow. So so generic... Zero evidence except for psychic ability. Yeah. Which has happened how many times with the, the case of Sarah Winchester and the Winchester Mystery House, the claims that she'd visited a psychic who told her to move from the uh the east coast to the west coast and that psychic's name was chloe it's all coming to get no (laughs) (laughs) it was adam adam coombs but it's you know it's always a psychic i mean that in that particular case the the psychic didn't seem to exist but in this case the psychic has uh fabricated this this character in this name and i do not fabricate (laughs) never yeah (laughs) There's no evidence for, I did some digging into the Louisiana slave database as well, and there's no evidence for an enslaved woman by these names in the parish and attached to this particular plantation. Now, I'd really like to do a lot more research into this particular area because, I mean, there's just so much to to understand. Uh, but the place has a very long history. People say that it was originally a, a plantation for indigo and for cotton, but uh, I do see a lot of evidence that these were lawyers who lived on the premises over the decades. And uh, I'm really not sure for how long it was a plantation. You know, you've got a lot going on in history as well with uh, the, the, uh, the Civil War, lots of things happening around that time. 
So, but I should really get into that because it's really going down a rabbit hole and it's diverting from the story. But I think that there's a lot of information there to suggest that Chloe, in the form that she is discussed today, that she didn't exist. And I, just on a whim, I thought, you know, I wonder if the oleander plant exists in in uh, Louisiana. So I did some digging and discovered that it's actually not native to the United States. And it wasn't introduced into the country until 1841. Now, the, these claims go back to the 1820s. Yeah. So the plant wasn't even in the country until 1841. So you're saying Chloe was framed. No, no. Yes. (laughs) You you listen to everything I just said. So for the nerds out there. That's awesome. I mean, that's a, God, these just, everything breaks down under scrutiny. And that's absolutely, absolutely. So it wasn't planted in the country until uh, 1841. It was first planted in Galveston in Texas. And it's not even found in West Feliciana Parish. And the funny thing is you go there and they've got some oleander in a little vase on display, which <laughs> keeping up the story. Yeah. Leaning so, into it. Yeah. Now, when Matt and I went there, Matt, if you just want to tell this part of the story about the diary. Oh, well, that was one of the things they said is that uh, Judge Woodruff's diary stated that, uh, you know, Chloe was a very pretty uh, mixed race uh, woman, uh, very small and petite, and he kind of detailed the affair he had with Chloe. Now, we were told on the tour that this diary is kept under a lock and key uh, in the local library, the West Feliciana Parish. Oh, it's like a special Mm -hmm. collections. Yes, Yes, yeah, so it's like, yeah, you know, if you, it's there with most of the, like the, the Fabio uh, romance books. Um, <laughs> but when we went there and asked to see it, they said uh, that doesn't exist. That's that's not a true thing at all. But we do have a uh, political uh, treatise, uh, treatise that uh, he wrote. Um, and that one is stored in the local library. It's a political treatise. Um not a yeah, diary. He, he was wanting to run for politics. And so it's really, it's not a diary. It's really a compilation of arguments uh, and including some arguments from his opponents too. But it's not personal. It's not about uh, an affair or his love life or anything like that. So uh, we found that they, they did a lot of that. We'll be talking about, uh, well, I guess this is a, a good point really to move on to uh, another topic. I just, Well, again, closing when it comes to Clark Woodruff, he was a real person and it just seems to me as though he's being maligned by these stories. They have a portrait of him there and, you know, people boo and hiss and and spit at him and it's really slander because he never married again. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the situation was with enslavement at that point and Again, that's going down a rabbit hole, but uh, there's there's no evidence that this happened. It, it seems as though he was deeply in love with his wife and very affected by her passing, never married again, and uh, ended up moving to New Orleans and starting life again with his daughter uh, after a while. So, yeah, uh, basically I'm tracing the ghost stories to the 1920s. They could go back earlier, and they're certainly told 
now and retold as local legends. But it just, Matt and I were talking about this earlier today, that this is a case of history really being erased by these ghost stories. Yeah. I mean, even at the plantation itself, I was looking at their website. It's a really beautiful website. It's a beautiful it house is. And, and site. But it says, mm-hmm. like, when you come to the entrance, it says, the Myrtle's home of mystery and intrigue. Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a bit thick. What's yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's... Uh, uh, it's the home it of is. not getting a good night's sleep. Because of ghost we'll hunters. We'll get to that soon. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... We were talking about uh, West Feliciana Parish. They have a historical society and also a library. So uh, when we went there, we not only asked about this supposed diary, but we also uh, also asked about a very famous photograph. So, Blake, if you're familiar with the story of Chloe, are you familiar with the story of her photograph? Is this the one where she's upstairs in the uh, in, either in a window or on the roof or something? No. Well, yeah, close, and Matt will talk about <laughs> those photographs but okay. uh, so this this one is said to be proof that she existed and uh so i believe the story is the current owner tita moss was taking a photograph for insurance purposes of the house and to, to document the house and she submitted that photograph and they said look you can't use this photograph because there's a person in the photograph you have to take this photograph again and she said there's not a person here and she examined the photograph and spotted chloe Oh, it's okay. I'm looking at it now. Yes, yes. I've seen this. I don't know why I had her upstairs in my head, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, as I said, Matt, we'll get into that because there are ghosts upstairs as well. There are ghosts everywhere. And so when we went on the tour, we were told, and it depends on what tour you go on and who's giving the tour or what year it is, but they will tell you that either Mm -hmm. the FBI or MIT or National Geographic or some other organization has performed a shadow density analysis test Ooh, to ensure that cool. the photograph it does it sounds totally convincing just to prove that the photograph hasn't been tampered with or faked or enhanced uh now matt doesn't believe that this particular test exists in this way for this kind of purpose yeah it it, it uh it doesn't make sense to me as someone who does photo analysis myself um, the the density of a shadow in a photo, you know, you can't tell if they've, you know, turned up the contrast or, you know, anything else by doing a shadow density test. I mean, it doesn't really ring but true to me. why would the FBI and, and, do that? And, yeah, and what would it tell you? What would it tell you if, ooh, this shadow is more dense? Uh, it, it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't really tell it's, you it's, anything. It's, it's measured in ghost parts per million, and I think that's the relevancy. Which... Mm, there you go. Yeah, that yeah. I didn't sense. think about the uh, the GPM part of it. Um, uh, so, yeah, okay, that, that changes everything for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, you went, the photograph that you looked at, let me guess, it was black and white, correct? With, with a red circle, like, yep. With a red circle. <laughs> the, the red circle is very important because tell you, you what wouldn't to look know at. what to look oh, at not, otherwise. No, exactly right, yeah. So the thing is, is the original photo's in color. Oh, and I've it's never very seen the high quality. Yeah, it's very high quality because it had to be sent to the insurance company, supposedly. Okay. I've never heard of an insurance company saying you can't have any humans in this picture. I mean, maybe they do. I'm not an insurance guy. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I, you know, completely don't know, but I just I've never heard of it. What was the I'm claim sorry. about? Like, why, why were they? Why was there an insurance claim? Well, there wasn't a claim. It was they had just purchased the place and they were trying to get insurance. 
okay. So they had to send photos and everything. And, oh, there's a human being in this photo. Uh, mm -hmm. So... Uh, anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but the thing is, wh where where is the original photo? Because they have the, the original library. photo. That's what they well, tell you. And it well, and they also say that it could be in a safe uh, that the owners have, you know, lo under locking key kind of thing. Um, you know what they, I've they, heard as I've well, heard them now. say both. What's that? You know what I've heard as well? They tell people that they will show you the photograph on the tour, which is not true. That is, yeah, that is not true. That's not true. Is it possible that they're not saying library? They're saying library, which is where you bury your lies? Well, it is the South. <laughs> exactly. So, so I, I'm from Georgia. I couldn't make that joke, but you could. <laughs> there are some lies buried here. Yeah. If you could address... The, the image and the quality of it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I really want to because uh, now if you go there, not when we went there, uh, you know, some 10 years ago, they they were selling this photo as a postcard. Oh. Um, and they, I'm sure they still do, but you it's, it's a... You mean a ghost card? Yes. Okay. That's <laughs> I, I'm sorry you didn't understand my accent. Oh. Um, but uh, yes, uh, totally. The thing is, is the photo is has been... Um, exported or however you want to say it it's it's been basically turned into a duotone which is great for newspapers and things like that or black and white printing so the only two colors are black and white and there is no gray it mm -hmm. depends on how big the black dots are in certain areas compared to the white dots that give you an impression of gray mm -hmm. But there's an incredible loss of data, an incredible loss of information when you strip a photo of not only the color, but its, uh, you know, clarity by turning it into a duotone. Mm -hmm. So uh, and, and it's like they often call a duotone kind of a checkerboard, you know, kind of look. So if you mm -hmm. zoom in on a on a newspaper, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. You know, it is a series of little black and white, uh, like little squares uh, or dots, mm -hmm. depending. Um, so that really, really did wipe out the quality. And it's interesting that it is the only photo that they show of it is this really, really bad quality one when they claim they have the high quality one right there ready for everyone to look at. Well, like blurry uh, Bigfoot photographs. Yeah. Same kind of. Well, genre. but let's be honest. I mean, just let's. Be honest. If if it were a perfectly clear photo, we would still be skeptical that it was a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we would, and I guess that's where we'll go into what is it if it's not a yeah. ghost, if yeah. it's not Chloe, what, what is, is it? So we've had a number of different theories that it could be a shadow, it could be a, a real person. Uh, so, Matt, again, if you'd like to explain what we did while we were there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my favorite theory is. Someone was standing there. Uh, at the time, so, initially. At the time. So what we did is got our camera set up in the same position and took a picture with Karen standing there. I was and, Chloe. Yep, she was Chloe. And I'll be darned if it didn't look very similar. But mm -hmm. when you look closely at the really crappy photo uh, that they put out, it seems like you can almost see through. Yes, Chloe. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's and, translucent. Uh, if that's really seems. Yes, 
Um, oh, and it seems to like she's a little shorter than me, so maybe. And they actually tell you as well that she's about four to five feet tall. And I guess people were a little shorter in those days. Yeah. So, that, well, okay, this is reasonable. So, so here we are, I guess, 10 years later, and Matt and I are scouring YouTube for videos of the premises to see what we can see around that area. And Matt, kudos to him, spotted something. As this one gentleman is is a tourist, he's walking around the building, and he walks by one of those old uh, sort of a um, clothing presses. You know how laundry, you, roller. the laundry rollers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I'm looking at it and going, you know, part of that looks like Chloe, <laughs> you know, if that were sitting in between the two buildings mm-hmm. and you only saw part of it, those rollers are, are, would, would kind of line up with where the, uh, uh, the paneling is, you know, the wood paneling on the side of the mm-hmm. building. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you look closely, the sort of the black lines that separate the, uh, the paneling, the panels, um, they line up through Chloe, but they're a different thickness. Mm-hmm. And for, uh, you know, the kind of the, the ornate top of this, uh, this laundry, uh, press, um, or roller, it, it, it has this, you know, kind of ornate top that looks a little bit like it could be, a, you know, a, a turban. Um, mm-hmm. in that in that position. And Chloe's arm suspiciously doesn't look like an arm, but it looks like uh, something flat and solid like a a, a board, a shelf type something thing mechanical. something mm-hmm. mechanical. Uh, but it, it do, it's not, you know, the sort of uh, smoother lines of a of a of a human. Mm-hmm. So looking at it and with the height as less, well. Yeah, the height and everything some it fits research. Uh, they they state that Chloe's four to five feet, and in looking at these laundry rollers, they were about four to five feet tall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had it right there. We're going to see if we can find the one and get photos. Oh, cool. Clearly, it's something that they've had on the property for some time, but I think that that, uh, in terms of a skeptical explanation, is is far far the by far the best explanation I've ever come across for what Chloe is. I look forward to seeing how closely that lines up. Anyway, that sounds really cool, though. And, yeah, if, if the shape of it matches, that, that, that makes sense. Monster Talk. You've been listening to Monster Talk, the science show about monsters. I'm Blake Smith. And I'm Karen Stolzner. You just heard part one of our two-part coverage of the Myrtles Plantation, allegedly one of the most haunted places in America. Tune in next week to find out a lot more about the truth behind these many legends. You can enjoy extended commercial-free versions of this show by joining us at patreon.com forward slash monster talk, all one word, M-O-N-S-T-E-R-T-A-L-K. For as little as $2 a month, you can enjoy longer interviews, unbleeped language, and bonus episodes exclusive for patrons. And if $2 a month is not workable for you, but you still want to help out, be sure and leave us a positive review on your podcasting platform of choice. iTunes reviews in particular can help bring in new listeners and your positive reviews really make a difference. If you want to learn other ways to help out, visit monstertalk.org forward slash support, where you can find even more ways to help keep this show going. Thank you to all of you 
who are supporting us with your hard-earned money and valuable time. We are humbled and grateful and hope that we always live up to or even exceed your expectations. Monster Talk theme music is by Peach Stealing Monkeys. Out of all the podcast joints in all the towns and all the world, you walked into ours, and we thank you. a Monster House presentation. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.